All right. <laughs> Carnivorous couch. It happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob. So hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the film podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. Welcome. Yes. Um, I wanted to say that with like, you know, like Ghost of Christmas Present. I want the listener to feel, you know, embraced in a warm hug and just like kick your, kick your feet up. Indeed. And this week we did Come On, Come On. Come On, Come On. It's been a little bit since we've done a podcast, Brady. Yeah, we've, um, you know, 2022 is a hell of a hectic year, um, you know, some death in the family. I got COVID. I finally got COVID. Yes, and I don't know if I mentioned this on our last podcast, which we recorded way back in February, but uh, I got the, the, my whole life crumbled, and we're in the new Carnivorous Studios because... Uh, well, my 14-year relationship, which I thought would last forever, stopped, and so things happened. New um, digs! So, yes, we're They're here really at, nice digs. Yes, we're here at the new Carnivore Studios. We brought both the dogs because I really wanted to see them, and maybe it was a poor choice because they're going to bark throughout this podcast, but we'll, we'll suffer through. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like suffer for art, right? That's, it's supposed to be better, the art, if you suffer while making it. So this is like... Uh, an intentional choice to facilitate that process. Yes, so as we said last week in our episode on Michael Clayton, <laughs> um, we did uh, Come On, Come On this week, right? We did. We, we are true to our word. What year is this movie from? This is from last year, so 2021. Indeed. And I'm going to let you talk about it and introduce it and maybe start the plot synopsis sure okay uh come on come on is the latest movie from director writer mike mills uh who you may be familiar with from his film beginners which uh earned christopher Plummer his oscar uh and starred ewan mcgregor and melanie laurent uh, or you might know the fabulous uh 20th century women which uh, starred Annette Benning and Greta Gerwig and uh, Billy Crudup and Al Fanning. I didn't see it, but I do know of that movie. I thought you saw it with um, Kyan. I thought we all watched it with Kyan. No. No? <laughs> Kyan definitely watched it with me and Tess. It's the one where like she's like a hippie in the 70s Santa Barbara and she's trying to raise her like almost teenage son or like 11 year old son I'm gonna do what I do at every award show Brady I just get very drunk and deny 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 <laughs> that's good well yeah so this is the latest film from Mike Mills who um, yeah did those two films and I think also did Thumbsucker which I haven't seen I've seen Thumbsucker with Carrie Ann Moss mm -hmm. and uh, you know I was kind of agnostic about Beginners, the 2011 movie, but I am really becoming a Mike Mills fan uh, because I love 20th Century Women, and I think this is a, an interesting progression. So let me tell you about it. Uh, this stars Joaquin Phoenix 
a thoroughly, blessedly normal Joaquin Phoenix, uh, even though it would be... He's always normal. He's, he's a normal, <laughs> chill guy. <laughs> he's painting PETA across his chest right now. Um, and so normal this film is about a man who is a radio journalist, and his current, current uh, journalistic project is interviewing children all around the country. Yeah, he about, works for like WBZ or something. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't. It has like a very NPR feeling to it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a cool progressive radio show, and yeah, he's going around the country asking children about their fears of the future and kind of about their emotional well-being, like what makes you happy, what makes you angry, and you know, the the idea of it being to really let kids be themselves and open up to you. You know, which is what a, a good documentarian does, is always, how do you get the subject to really uh, give something to you? And so he's doing that in Detroit when he gets a phone call from his sister. And this is a very eventful phone call because he and his sister haven't spoken in a year. A year ago, their mom passed away with dementia. And because of the tenseness of that, and there were disagreements, of course, about how of course, I know it's not obvious, but uh, about how they were treated as children, one maybe being more the favored child, and also disagreements about how to deal with the mom's, you know, passing, or, you know. Yeah, I, I believe one of the lines office. that she said was like, like, you always acquiesce to her, and this is, this is how it's been our entire lives, and he's like, our entire lives, we're just trying to deal with our mom passing away, like. Right, yeah. and so, yeah, because of that, they had a year of estrangement, and now this is the phone call to finally break the ice and get them to talk to each other. But it turns out the mom is going through a new trauma, which is that her husband, she and her husband have separated, Paul. So the mom being Liv, not Liv and Johnny's mom. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the mom, the mom Liv, uh, yeah, not, not the elderly mother who's passed away. We haven't away. introduced Jesse yet, so... This mom is the mom of child Jesse. Yes, the elderly mom we won't talk about because she's passed away and right. we, we don't really see her in scenes much. But yeah, and uh, Liv, played by the fantastic Gabby Hoffman, uh, who was a little moppet in our third episode, I think, in Field of Dreams. Uh, she oh. is the child from Field of Dreams who chokes on the hot dog. Yeah, who chokes uh, on the hot dog and sees DiMaggio in the field. Yeah. Um, of dreams. <laughs> I don't know if we see Dimash. <laughs> we see the Black Sox, the Chicago Black Sox. Uh, but so, uh, and she's fantastic, and uh, has has really established a a great career for herself post childhood with a uh, transparent, which I never saw, but apparently she's really good in that. I and, tried to watch that with my ex. Ah, how'd that go? Not good. <laughs> And, of course, Jeffrey Tambor has no problems whatsoever. It sounded like you were insulting him for being boring. <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor. Or, uh, or, or being a male From pig. the sounds of know. it, we should hope that he is, is less exciting or less. Anyway, uh, and Paul, uh, her husband, basically has maybe bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. Played by Scoot McNeary. Played by your I, favorite. I love Scoot McNeary. Uh, he's a good actor, and I still need to watch Halt and Catch Fire one day. Yeah, I also love Lee Pace, but he's not in this. Oh yeah, Lee Pace is a good actor too. Uh, and so, so that whole drama is going on, and basically, plot-wise, what that means is that Liv wants to go to Oakland, Paul's new city, to make sure that he 
either gets into a treatment center or just that his life is in order because he's got a disorder where it's hard for him to take care of himself. And she can't take her nine-year-old son, Jesse, with her. So Johnny offers to, uh, to watch over Jesse for the time that she's gone. And, and we're unclear how long she'll have to go because it's a, you know, a situation fraught with... Uh, I, I can't talk right now. That's, uh, you know, a hectic situation. And so this is a chance, while Johnny is reconnecting with his sister... For him to also reconnect with the nephew that he hasn't seen in a year. Uh, Rob, let me take a little rest break here. Anything you want to add here? Am I, am I capturing this plot pretty well so far? Yes. I mean, as with all our plot synopsis, I think we can move it along there, Brady. Okay. Yeah, we can move it along. Let's move it along. Because what this really is, is it's quite literally a hangout movie, you might say. Because it is about Johnny and Jesse... Uh, reconnecting and hanging out with each other and learning about each other and reestablishing their bond. Well, yeah, basically she goes to Oakland to take care of Scoot. He stays in L.A. to watch over Jesse. Right, and then at a certain point he's like, hey, I... Uh, I got a project in New York. Yeah, I... I and I'd a... love you to, for you to see New York City. Well, first he, he says to Jesse, he's like, hey, uh, so can... Um, so do you want to go to New York with me? And then like when he calls Liv to ask her, he's like... Uh, so yeah, uh, I could take him to New York with me, and this is how I can help. And she's—he wants to go, and she's like, "You're not supposed to ask a nine-year-old if they want to go to New York before asking their mom." Right? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, the, the first, well, maybe not the first, but one of many lessons that uh, Johnny learns in a movie that is—is is a lot about uh, learning how to not fuck each other up, right? But eventually she does agree to let him go to New York City, and um, they have a nice time there. Uh, from the beginning, he gets Jesse interested in his work by giving him a tape recorder. Or, um, not a tape recorder, but an actual you know microphone to record stuff. So he's got this little tape recorder, and he's holding out the... What do you call it? The shotgun mic? Yes, that's a shotgun mic. A shotgun mic. And just kind of... Uh, using it to do like found sounds kind of stuff, right? Like listening to the city as you walk through it. Um, what this movie also is very much is a travelogue of a number of cities. We got Detroit, LA, NYC, uh, New Orleans, and of course uh, Oakland. Yes. Represent. Represent. Uh, <laughs> so, but eventually, eventually, I use that word too much. There are uh, some... It's a good filler word. It's okay. Yeah, there, there are some uh, roadblocks, some speed bumps in Johnny and Jesse's relationship because Johnny doesn't know much about caring for a child. So at one point while they're shopping for a toothbrush and they're having an argument because Jesse wants a singing toothbrush, which prompts no, Johnny... No, no, you don't need that. <laughs> a classic millennial lecture of like... You guys just need constant stimulation. Yeah. You don't need your toothbrush to sing to you. But what happens is that Jesse, as a prank, hides in the store for several minutes so that Johnny can't find him. And when Johnny does find him, he gets angry and raises his voice. And well, he yells at him. He yells at him. Yeah, and this is problematic. And this is problematic, except very quickly he's on the phone with Liv and she's like, you know what, that's... That's just the way it goes. Like, you're going to make those kinds of mistakes. And what's important is that then you have to 
uh, do a repair is what she calls it, which is to address the ways that you've made the mistake and apologize and kind of, you know, be accountable for, for how you deal with your child. Uh, and so they do eventually make up, but the problem is eventually there's another issue where Johnny's on the phone and Jesse uh, ends up disappearing into a crowd. And so for another minute, he can't find him. And Jesse runs away upset and gets on a bus. And Johnny makes the impulsive decision that, you know what, I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm going to send you back to L.A. I, I got to send you back to your mom. Or one of your moms can come look at you. Yeah, yeah like th- someone in your city, you'll be in your house, uh, a more stable situation. And this really, really upsets Jesse. And uh, Jesse, while he's on his way to the airport to go home, uh, fakes that he has to go poop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that he can lock himself in a restaurant bathroom to miss the flight. And then Johnny's like, okay. Okay, fun time's over. Fun time's (laughs) over. Don't bark dogs. (laughs) Um, That was me doing a prop knock. Clara. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fun time. <laughs> the dogs are wanting to bark at the knock on the door, although I think they got it. Um, yes, anyway, sorry. <laughs> and so, and then Johnny kind of feels bad, and, and Jesse, that moment I like because uh, there's a lot of good communication. It's a movie that's dealing with communicating, but I like that in that moment, Jesse really, what you got there? Let me see. Oh. I just the do not disturb button on my phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, technology. But I, I like that moment because, you know, Jesse really reveals himself in that scene. He's not trying to be a kid. He's not trying to be a little stinker. He's just really like, Johnny, please. Like, and it's interesting to see. Because, you know, it's a lot of the journey is about uh, meeting someone and kind of the way that facades and defenses slowly fall away the more you go through conversation with a person. And so, anyway, Johnny then agrees to take him to the last leg of his journalistic tour, which is to New Orleans. And, And there we get a lot more of, you know, the interviewing of the kids. This movie is peppered uh, with voiceover and you know, yeah, uh, scenes of the interviews of various children, real children, I think, from around the country, you know, describing in ways that I think are kind of neatly fit in with what's going on in the action, uh, what it, what it's like to be a kid, what it's like to be a kid now when things like climate change exist and whatever other ills that we've we've given the new generation. And, and yeah, it just kind of gives like a, a very soulful... Uh, well, this is this is a Mike Mills thing, actually, a very kind of poetic essay feel, because I I would argue that Mike Mills's films, uh, or at least the last couple, have been very much have an essay film feel to them. And I would say on that note, that too, we can also um, bring it bring up that it's shot in black and white. It is shot in in very pretty black and white, which very much like. Um, kind of leads to this issue of this environmental sort of thing. It's like, oh, why is it shot in black and white? It's like, well, you know, this is very much about sounds and mood and all these sorts of things, which, to be honest, would... um, I mean, the audio recordings of him doing his work, Johnny doing his work and stuff, are kind of interstitially put in 
as voiceover or maybe just him recording himself or even Jesse recording himself. Um, and so with it being black and white and it being so heavily audio focused, it acts, you know, voiceover is supposed to be a bad thing in filmmaking because you should show rather than do. Right. However, in this, the voiceovers are used as like a mood piece. Yes, yes. It reminds me of the ending of Adaptation where he's like, they say you shouldn't, but I think I'm going to do it this time because it works. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, you're right because it is a very dialogue-focused thing. Um, and also, you know, New York City just looks, and all the cities, but New York uh, in particular has always looked very good in black and white. You know, if you, th- you think of Woody Allen's Manhattan, a really great black and white depiction of NYC. Um, yeah, the city photographs well. Indeed it way. does. Looks pretty in color too, but yeah. So yeah, and then basically they get to New Orleans um, and Johnny does another repair to apologize for wanting to send Jesse away. And, you know, it's it's not really a film about like big seismic events. It's just about, uh, which I appreciate, some people, you know, they, they want a lot of action in their stuff. But I like that the journey of this is just the connecting of them. I mean, it's about the process of dealing with the situation. Yeah, the, the process of dealing with your traumas and your demons and, and getting closer to another person. So that by the end, like, their chemistry is just... I mean, we'll talk about the acting, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, but, yeah, their, their chemistry is very, very lived in. I mean, especially the acting by... Such a young actor. Uh, incredible. He, he would have been my pick. It would have been category fraud, but he would have been my pick to win uh, supporting actor this past year. Category he's, fraud? Well, insofar as he's really a lead. Okay, I see. It's like he's, he's on screen for almost every minute except for the start. Yeah, he's on there more than Liv and Johnny because... Liv Johnny has the most because we start with him and end with him but but yeah it's it's pretty close but anyway yeah yeah and so and the the final thing is just johnny you know worrying like oh well you're a kid like this was such a meaningful experience for both of us but the thing about it is and this is kind of what opens the movie when Liv tells johnny hey it's been a year since you've talked to him that's like an eternity for a child and so johnny's worry is like well you're probably going to forget a lot of this. Like, this is just, you know, a couple weeks you spent with me. It's really immediate now, but when you're 15, you know, you'll probably have forgotten a lot of this very meaningful thing. And it, his words of comfort are, well, you know what, I'll, I'll remind you. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, they, they shared a meaningful experience. And I guess that kind of, that kind of reinforces what the movie, well, I, I don't want to get into the what's it all about, but kind of reinforces the idea of, of talk is important. Like r- remembering and documenting things for each other and discussing, you know, working your problems through by talking to another person is very much on the movie's mind. Well, well, well put, Brady. I think that's, well, uh, that's a pretty good uh, uh, plot synopsis and all that. But now there's the, the, another part that we do, right? We, we do I a thing. So. I think so. We do a thing. That uh, sounds like this. Hey, 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 how do we like it? 
How did you like this movie, Brady? I really love this movie. I mean, it was your suggestion, um, so I assume that you picked yeah, it for a it's, reason. Th- this movie um, kind of scratches my exact itch. I, I'm a movie guy. Um, <laughs> um, I like a whole host of different kinds of movies, but I really love... Uh, you know what I call every year my damp face movies I give out the damp face award and what and and this movie didn't win it I'm trying to remember what did win the damp face award oh petite maman the damn face damp face award the damn face award <laughs> you're confusing the listener <laughs> um, and damp face as in as in teary eyes Yes, but the reason I say damn face and not, you know, the weepy award or anything like that is that it doesn't need to be entirely sad tears. There can be, you know, you're crying because you're laughing, say, or like, or crying just because the movie has a sweet feel-good element to it. What, yeah, it's emotional. Reason, it, brings, emotional. it brings emotion to the... It's cathartic. And, and yeah, this movie, so this movie scratches my itch because I think the humor is really good. And it's just got a great sense of, of how it balances um, its empathy and its pathos over the more sad elements, while also just being really funny in a, a very natural, unforced way. It's, it's a very relaxed movie. Like, and what I like about that is... Um, well, you know, again, going back to like the mood piece sort of feel of the movie, like, especially with the score and everything, it's just very... Yeah, and like... Like I say in my review, I don't want to minimize the trauma that Johnny and Liv have gone through. Like, they're dealing with really, really hard things. But I remember in the trailer when they're teasing, like, oh, what's, what's like, in their past? What's the skeleton in their closets? Yeah. And I like that it's not, like, an end-of-the-world kind of thing. So it's, it's not, you know, like, serious, serious abuse or things like that. It's just kind of, like, a pretty bite-sized normal human problem and I, I just like that the movie its stakes feel both important but also you know not that this is trying to like tell the most tragic story to ever happen it's just about people with very relatable yeah problems. that's the thing it's a relatable problem it's a problem that I mean like the mother dying is a problem that any Everyone. of us will probably have to go to yeah the mental health of the husband maybe not as many people will have to go through that, but maybe. Yeah. But I <laughs> mean, not. but you know, it's not uncommon. No, uh, mental illness touches a great number of people in your sphere, so you know. Yeah, it can definitely. Absolutely, and and with COVID, even more. You know, we've we've gone through a, a weird time where we maybe don't have the emotional human support we need in the same ways. But yes, um, but yeah. So I just appreciate both how honest the movie is while also just because really it's it's a feel-good movie to me like for a movie dealing with some serious stuff it's just a film that makes me feel really really good so so anyway all that said i i think i'm just gonna give the thing the a i think i'm talking myself into it because i i'm just all on board for everything it's doing so it's an a from you a an a a a a a a well, yeah, I think I would also, too, give it an A. Um, oh, yeah. It was a little... I mean, in preparation for doing this podcast, we watched it a couple months ago, and then I was re-watching it, and uh, I kept getting sidetracked or taken away from it and this and that, and I was 
beginning to worry. I'm like, will I be able to cohesively put together what this is all about? Because mm-hmm. as you said, it's like a very relatable, calm movie where calm, normal things are happening. But, you know, given the configuration of all of them put together, um, it does have a certain gravitas. Yeah, um, and it's also very loose and jazzy. So we're just, we're always cutting away to an interview here or there. Like it's, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I really like how it sets that mood by kind of, um, and it sort of speaks to, we'll talk more about it in the What's It All About, but um, it kind of speaks to sort of um, the all-encompassingness, the relatability of the of the thing, because it's cutting back and forth to him interviewing kids about, you know, these questions, um, some of which are like, uh, uh, do you feel like adults understand what kids are going through, or how will things be in the future, or, you know, these very, like, sort of universal questions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so by going to that and getting the viewpoints from many people, it's kind of speaking to, and yes, Johnny and Jesse and Liv are dealing with the situation with Scoot, who's playing a character named Paul. Um, <laughs> um, and, but yes, these are situations that uh, various different people would have to deal with and would have a viewpoint on much like the questions that he's asking in his work. Um, so... Th- I guess I guess one of the reasons I like it is that there's a sort of universality to it all. I agree. So um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give it to A. I'll give it to A. Right. And it's been a while since we've unanimously A'd a thing. Indeed, and I mean, nice. it's also just very heartfelt and and emotional and but not but is but <laughs> isn't. Um, okay. I think we've we've done enough. That was, I thought we were going to have a pretty concise plot synopsis geared in by the location to Brady. Huh? Yeah, it's but we it was very ethereal and very commentary. <laughs> but that's also what we do here at Carnivorous Couch. We always expand more than we intend to, and hopefully it's entertaining for you listeners as well. But want to go do understudy? Yes, I do. Okay, I've got my little sheet here, which theoretically has the understudy on it, and you do as well. So we'll play the theme song and then we'll go do that. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay. But we've got two understudies and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway. So try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies, tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening right now. Hey, uh, Uncle Scar, um, guess what? I despise guessing games. I'm going to be king of Pride Rock. Oh, goody. My dad just showed me this whole kingdom, and uh, I'm going to rule it all. <laughs> yes, well... Forgive me for not leaping for joy. Bad back, you know. Hey, uh, Uncle Scar, um, what, when I'm king, uh, what does that make you? A monkey's uncle. <laughs> you're very weird. You have no idea. So your father showed you the whole kingdom, did he? Mmm, everything. He didn't show you what's beyond that rise on the northern border. Well, no. He said I can't go there. And he's absolutely right. It's far too dangerous. 
Only the bravest lions go there. Well, I'm brave. Uh, what's out there? No, I'm sorry, Simba. I just can't tell you. Why not? Simba, Simba. I'm only looking out for the well-being of my favorite nephew. Yeah, right. I'm your only nephew. All the more reason for me to be protective. An elephant graveyard is no place for a young prince. Oops. An elephant what? Whoa. Oh dear, I've said too much. Well, I suppose you'd have found out sooner or later, you being so clever and all. Oh, just do me one favor. Promise me you'll never visit that dreadful place. No problem. There's a good lad. You run along now and have fun. And remember, it's our little secret. That was uncertain. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y Couch. Well, that was a fun round of understudy. It's not one of the best impressions I've ever done. Kind of coasting on vibes Yeah, I there. have no idea what you were doing, and mine wasn't <laughs> very good, but I think that the listeners could gather it. Um, well, we'll just see. Ka-chow! Well, I mean, once again, that's, you know, we just did a scene as two actors who are not in the scene. We did our best impersonation that we could. Apologies all around. Um, we did our best. us at C-A-R-N-Y Couch on Twitter if you can guess either the movie it's from or the actors that we did and uh, if you get it right then somebody wears (laughs) nail polish or something I forget (laughs) (laughs) we'll do a movie of your choice how about that how about that come on Mandy you can do it Okay, so and we did the plot synopsis and we did the understudy. The next thing that we do is the what's it? What's it? What's it all about? What is it about, Brady? What's it about? Um, so it's a Mike Mills film. So it's discursive and digressive by its very nature, right? Like, for example, we were talking about how it's an essay film. Not only is it an essay film, but a Mike Mills movie will often, um, and this was very much the case in 20th Century Women and is the case here, will will like actually insert books or essays from other people, from scholars, from writers, and, and will you know insert that text or read that text over the movie because you know the the reason is he deals a lot with kind of like intellectual type people, and so. And so the, his movies have this thing where, where people are, you know, citing things they love. They cite artists they love. They, you know, 20th century woman, they're having a debate about talking heads versus black flag. So, you know, they're very into the, the thinkers. He likes to put the thinkers he likes in the movie. And all that said, in a strange way, I think while that stuff is important, it's also kind of window dressing because I think, you know, that's there because that's who the characters are. And what the movie is really about is about people talking with each other and it's about emotional intelligence. And I think in this case specifically, because uh, his movies are always kind of about like people trying to do their best and people trying to connect with each other. But in this case, it's specifically about that when it comes to having and raising children. So it's about how do you talk to a child 
and how do you see a child in a way that's that's not pandering? You know, I'll, I'll stop here and uh, say that. Okay, stop. <laughs> and, oh, oh, are you okay? I see what you're saying. I mean, this would be a good time for me to say that you know, on a more meta level, this is about how to actually make a movie that respects the intelligence of children, and that's kind of what the movie's about. Is if if you want to raise good children and you want to help children be emotionally healthy, uh, one thing is to to actually see them, as Liv says, as whole little people. So this is, it's, it's a whole little movie about recognizing that children are, are flawed, weird uh, little people. And one of the things I love about this, because this resonates for me, and I've, you know, you and I have both worked YMCA, I've done mentoring when I was in college, I, I like working with kids and I've done enough of it. Um, is it You've had enough of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I tried to become a criminal lawyer. <laughs> Give me those people. Um, is that children are weird. Children are, like, weird. So I love the scene near the beginning where, like, Jesse... Basically, he does a thing with his mom. He's pretending that he's an orphan. He pretends he's an orphan and that Liv's children are all tragically dead and ask, can I stay in your house <laughs> since your children are all dead? Exactly. They've only got bunk beds at the orphanage <laughs> and everybody snores. And she tells Johnny about it. He's like, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, kids are. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it, so it's that thing. It's like letting, really capturing the fact that it's not like children are just cutesy. Like sometimes children are like macabre. Yeah. They're, because they're, not adults. They are people who are still forming um, and they have a world of information at their fingertips now. Uh, and it, what is it like? Jesse's discussing like he's watching conspiracy videos, videos on YouTube and stuff right. like that. And he's talking about like burying uh, somebody in the woods with like a, a, a <laughs> rock inside of their chest or something. And like all the parents or the other adults who are friends of Johnny's around the table are like, uh, what? <laughs> what have you been watching? How did you? <laughs> yeah, it's like all of the information in the world. And, and so what's that like when it's rattling around in the brain of, of someone who will not put everything together and will not become their fullest self for probably decades? Uh, it, you get weird results. And, and it's great. The movie's not judging it. It's saying this is, this is a fact of, of what kids are like. And that, um, and at the same time, not to be like too prescriptive and rigid because the movie really is about not doing that. Is like th this is just Jesse. Like another kid could be totally different, but that's the idea. Is like every kid is weird in their their own way. Yes, so, kids so are definitely very weird, and they will say strange. Like what what was some of the stuff like Gretchen used to say to us when we were at Y camp or like. <laughs> Her her weird stuff was never very dark, but it was. She did talk about Andy Warhol. Um, I, I think at one point she talked about wearing like different fruit on her feet as shoes. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's very whimsical and charming. But that's yeah, that that was one of my favorite kids I ever uh, YMCA'd with was just uh, yes, a tiny squeaky ball of energy. Uh, and we were playing a game, Apples to Apples, and one of the cards was Andy Warhol. 
And she just goes, he takes pictures of shoes. <laughs> she's like, she's like, girl, you're killing me. How did you even know? Yeah, she's got to be 26 or 27 now. I know. That, man, oh that's man. weird. She was six when we were taking care of her. Uh, yep. Yep, yep. Well, at any rate, um, I, I kind of mind that that's what this is about. But when I was reading it, I was also reading a book on attachment theory. And so I kind of in, yeah. in took this entire film in like in that lens. So I was kind of thinking of in terms of, and and the film almost seems to intentionally lay this out. I think um, it invites that that, that there um, there was the relationship that Johnny and Liv had with their mother, mm-hmm. and um, it seems like uh, some of the things that Jesse says, and you know, just the outright portrayal of Johnny, is that. Both Johnny and Liv are fairly avoidant attachment styles, which is, uh, like, the whole attachment theory is, I'll just gloss over it real quick, but it's basically, like, how you interact with your parents forms your primary and secondary attachment styles, and, like, so if your parents are uh, very dismissive or uh, if they don't engage with you or something, you, you might be very avoidantly attached to them, like, oh, it's not a good time to show my emotions, not a good time to do blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or if they're very withholding, you know, you might develop an attachment style that's very anxious, which is like, I need you, mom, I need you, mom, I need you, mom, right now, and blah, 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 blah. And then, like, if you're given the right amount of sort of attention and also your own free space that you form a secure attachment where you're like, I'm cool by myself, but I can also kind of morph and provide whatever the person on the other side of this attachment would need. That's just like super, super uh, like generalization of the theory. And maybe I got some of it wrong. I'm not a psychologist, but this is <laughs> how I understand it. Um, at any rate, so I look at this as Jesse trying to uh, sort of decide what sort of attachment he's going to have. Because given that his father is out of the picture, and it seems like there's inklings that when his father was mentally well, that he was kind of like a fun, more outgoing with his son mm-hmm. uh, sort of fellow. Yeah, we even get to see them like play for one scene. They cut away to it. Like as a memory. Yeah, as yeah. a memory of Jesse's. And and that Liv was very um, like either secure or avoidant, kind of on her own. He talks about her just doing whatever she wants, when he wants to talk about her negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there's one anecdote where he talks about her like, yeah, sometimes she'll just cook a big steak and eat it by herself. And then we, and contrastly, we have Johnny who um, pretty much does everything on his own. Um, he's doing his work sort of, you know, he interviews people, but he's got these headphones on and this barrier yeah. between him and them. Oh, good time to remind something I didn't say is um, some of what's happened in the story is that Johnny has broken up with his partner right. of some years. Um, yeah. Anyway, go on. Well, and then Jesse asks him, I mean, on that note, Jesse asks him straight up questions about it, and he gives him very wishy-washy, avoidant answers, and like, almost yeah, refuses... he gives him like a joke response. ...to answer the question. Um, where, contrastly, when Johnny asks uh, Jesse to do the questions, he either outright refuses, or sometimes he just goes in really deep and, and talks about all these things. Um, usually not when he's on mic. I don't know. I... I didn't pay enough attention to it to draw. Like, when he's on mic, he says, blah, but none of that. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, again, this leads me to the, the whole, he's trying to decide if he's going to be, like, avoidant like Johnny and Liv are, or, um, and then there's all these moments where he's kind of teaching them things. Like, uh, at one point, um, 
Uh, he says, um, do you have trouble expressing your emotions? <laughs> and Johnny goes like, well, I'm feeling pretty frustrated right now. This is like after one of the incidents. And, yeah. then, and then Johnny, or Johnny, Jesse just says to him, well, that's good. And, um, uh, you know, sort of says, it's good to express your emotions and this and that, but like almost like he's teaching him stuff. And that would be like a more secure attachment sort of way of doing it, right? Being what, even though it's the kid talking to the adult, being what he needs to be right then. Right, there's a that great scene where he won't go to bed and then he ends up teaching Johnny what his mom would do to get him to go to bed. Right. So he's kind of <laughs> learning, it, like it's just interesting. And uh, yeah. Well, there's first the, him running away and then him saying, can't I sleep next to you? And then him saying like, well, okay, this is what you'd need to do to put me to bed or, or what you'd need to do yeah. to put yourself to bed. Relax your feet, relax your hands. Which actually puts Johnny back to sleep. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, that's all three attachment styles right there, right? One's the avoidant, one's the anxious, like, can mm -hmm. I sleep next to you? And the other one's the secure, sort of supportive style. That's very interesting. And I, I think the film invites applying a host of um, mental strategy and, like, mental health theories to it, because it is a movie that is dealing with uh, how to be better and, like, people who you know, don't want to repeat past traumas and don't want to repeat past mistakes. And, you know, it, it's about how you, what your communication styles are and, yeah, just wanting, wanting to improve things, mentally speaking. Yeah. And, I mean, then there's that scene at the end where uh, Johnny's trying to be the sort of like the teaching adult and the teaching moment and like it's when uh, J Jesse's running away and it's just kind of like you don't have to follow me everywhere I go and she's like well I'm keeping an eye on you I'm taking care of you you don't have to take care of me like, there, there's a couple instances of this in the thing yeah. and this is the sort of avoidant thing and then so like throughout all this you know Johnny's been your stereotypical avoidant blah 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 Jesse's been kind of moving between the different attachment styles, kind of deciding what he wants to be. <laughs> and then at that point, like, it's almost like Johnny's learned from him, and then he's telling him, like, hey, it's okay to be like, this is fucked up. This doesn't make any sense. Like, this is a weird situation you're in. It's okay for, for you to feel out of control and, and weird and crazy. Right. So it's like, and th so at the end of this whole transition, like, Johnny's figuring out a way to be a more secure person because he's been learning how to deal with Jesse and like changing the way that he would interact with another individual because he knows that Jesse needs that support. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's like a really interesting thing. And I mean, I guess it's saying something about, you know, you might like, usually these attachment theories are put in terms of romantic relationships or friendship relationships. But if you think about like how much people have to change when they have kids, and it's like maybe that is the moment where if you haven't managed to change your if you know if it's a real thing attachment style in previous relationships that for your child you will because you really do need to be that secure sort of yeah rock there <coughs> sorry my throat's getting a little dry have some kava i'm out oh man so yeah that's my feeling on what it's all about feel it kind of lines up with yours i think so i think so 
Thank it, you for that. Is it time to go um, play uh, Metacritical, and then we'll come back with more points if we haven't wrapped them up already? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do that. Let's do it, man. You're gonna win this time. Indeed. A Metacritical Rob's never gonna win A Metacritical Brady's the victor again So it's time to play I'm gonna lose today Metacritical, yeah, it's time Time to play Oh, here it is, here it is, Metacritic Goal. It's where we pick, what is it, five movies? Yeah, off of Metacritic and try to guess the score as accurately as we can. It's like golf. The nearer we get, the less uh, penalty points we accrue. And whoever has the least points at the end uh, wins the game. Woohoo! Woohoo! Um, Alright, I'm going to go first. Do I, I, I'm going to select the the first movie we're gonna do, uh, shoot him up. Shoot him. The one with Clive Owen. With Clive Owen, yeah. Al Giamatti. Yeah, where's Clive Owen been? I miss him. You know, I don't know. He, yeah, I don't know. I've just been hiding out in a deep, deep hole. <laughs> well, so is the Nick not still going? No, the Nick was like <laughs> like ten years ago. <laughs> Whatever happened to that uh, Soprano show? They make a new <laughs> episode. They still going. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think the uh, Metacritic score of Shoot 'Em Up is? I think the Metacritic score for that is like a sixty-seven. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna go with seventy-two. I'm gonna say it's better. It's better than the thing is. So, what's the actual thing here? What's the actual thing? Shoot him up. It is from 2009. Is this a thing? Is it loading? It's all gray. That wasn't the movie, I guess. Shoot him up. iOS game. No, that's not what we're looking for. Movie 2007. 49. Oof, I didn't realize it got pilloried that much. So I said 67, you said 72. Yeah, so okay. you're five up on me already. Okay, hold on. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. I mean, this is the, this is the part of the uh, show where I just get to curse at Brady indiscriminately because he always does better at this than me. Okay, so now I get to pick? Yeah, you fuck. Five <laughs> Owen, Paul Giamatti, um... Hard Martyr, Tyrone. I think I will go with. The problem is I know Giamatti's movies too well. Like I know Sideways is going to be super high, so I can't do that, Rob. I can't do that. What about Clive Owen? Uh, what, what's another movie he's in? Children of Men. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. I'm going to go with an 85. It should be like a 92, but I'll go ahead and subtract 17 points from that and say it's at 75. Okay. I think you're going to beat me on this, too. I think so, too, because 75 is is pretty low for a masterpiece. 84. Oof. 
Okay, so I get one and you get uh, 11. All right, Julianne Moore was in Magnolia. That'll be an interesting one, actually. Oh, I think, yeah, that will be interesting. Your guess. Oh, is it my guess? Um, 77. Up nine plus five. Ninety one. Ninety one. Nothing gets a ninety one on Metacritic. No, it'd be more like Boogie Nights. Seventy seven. Oh, I bullseye. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and what did you say? You said ninety one. Yeah. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> okay, so Magnolia, then obviously a whole host of actors to go with uh, from that giant ensemble movie. Let's go, this could be interesting, let's go with Philip Baker Hall in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie, Heart Eight. Is this your fourth, is this our fourth or our fifth? Fourth. Fourth. Heart Eight. Okay. Heart Eight's probably rated pretty well at 87. 87? I'm going to go like 80. Okay. I think this, it is this rated This might well. actually predate Metacritic. It might not be It might. There. What is this, like 95 or something? 78. 78. What did I say? You 87. said 87. Yeah, I just flippity-flopped him. Give it an 11. Okay. I'm doing pretty well after my first one. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing pretty well on all of them. <laughs> you suck. I, <laughs> it's true. I'm I'm technically coming out the victor in in all of them. I mean, you'd so be far. coming out the vic like that. You're scoring very well. Like, like, like you haven't missed. You haven't gotten like twenty off just because something something. I have. I got twenty two. My first poltergeist. <laughs> poltergeist. <laughs> uh, Toby Hooper, Poltergeist. That's uh, a good movie. Um, let's go with. I'm gonna go 78. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> 48. 48. Trying to make oh, up yeah, 30 points here. <laughs> well, if it was the 2015 movie, I would be right. Because it would be like 47, but it's not that one. We're obviously talking about the one from the 80s. The one that, you know, people theorize that Steven Spielberg directed it, but... 1982, 79. Wow, I'm doing well. (laughs) Well, that's the end of the game. What did you guess? Oh, yeah, 48. 48. Okay, hold on. This will be easy. 40. <laughs> He's like, this will be easy. I won. <laughs> 65. 72. Okay. 92. I'm in, am I in triple digits now? You may be. No, I'm in like the 90s. No, no. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> 99. Not quite. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, this this was a bit of a blowout. You got <laughs> really well. Yeah. <laughs> you got ninety two. I got twenty one. 
<laughs> 21. Yeah, uh, out of five movies, you were an average of 4.25 points off. So, so not to rub it in, but so the listener knows, your first one was a 27. <laughs> yeah? Was it? Well, here's the outro. Uh, I look forward to Fuck you. Fuck me? Oh yes, fuck me. Actually, that, that little bit that I recorded oh so long ago, I think, what is it, 13 years now? Whoa. Wait, or, no. no. nine years. Nine years. Um, That's still a long time. Um, nine years ago, but that, that was a particularly acidic fuck you that I recorded and played for you nearly every week. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, that's that's what's great about it. It does come from the heart. <laughs> well, but I, I recorded it... Well, wait, did I snippet that out of an actual episode and put it in there? Or I think I just... I was recording it in my garage, like, with you not even there. Oh. That's I must have been looking at a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're back from Metacritical. We're back. <laughs> And I'm still in a good mood, even though, god damn it, Brady, 21 points. Yeah, one of my best. If not one for of my that worst. 22 at the beginning, it could have been like a real, a real good one. <laughs> but it's okay. We'll take it. Yeah, did you count your uh, five-point deduction as well? I did. Oh, okay. I did. Yeah, I, so I, I think um, when we played it at Michael Clayton, you got like three... There was some episode that was recent. You got like three five-point deductions in a row, and I, I played in the 20s. And like you're just like, yeah, I'm at like nine. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I do have at least one single-digit score on my record. So that's that's what we're But I played for. so well. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I triple right. bullseye. It was heartbreaking. You like actually like were really doing well. Uh, this game, this cruel game... This is why we need more guests. Yeah, seriously. No, someone needs to put me in my place. That much is has been certain for a long time. I'll find somebody. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get Rachel back. Rachel can totally... She, she can defeat me. I know Rachel can do it. She can do it. Okay, so more points on Come On, Come On. <laughs> um, so Come On, Come On. Um, the one thing I love about it because as I've as I've said, I think it's a movie about uh, the healing power. Like it, it's a good movie, even though no one ever goes to therapy in it. It's a good movie um, in terms of advocating for therapy because it's about the, it's about the talking cure. You know, that, that's a, a name for therapy is the talking cure, right? Um, and it's about the uh, healing power of of just talking about things. That scene where, you know, the you don't have to be okay scene where he gets him to just, like, scream his shit out. It's about, like, you know, you don't have to suffer in silence and, and things are better when you talk. And the thing I like about it um, is that, you know, some of my favorite filmmakers are, like, Richard Linklater and Eric Romer, uh, who was uh, a French guy from the New Wave who really influenced Linklater, like his, mm -hmm. the before movies are, are total Romer movies, not to take them away from Linklater, but, um, but both of them are fascinated just by like, 
uh, in Linklater's case, kind of like the sexiness, both of them really, like are like talks kind of sexy. Like it's just like, it's kind of appealing to watch uh, good characters who are well acted just kind of talk to each other. And the talk itself, regardless of maybe what the talk is about, um, has like a, a power and an allure to it. And I think Mills, like, I'm really just impressed by him because I wasn't that big on beginners. Um, but the 20th century woman in this, I just think he is becoming a, a powerful observer of, of just fascinating, interesting, and really, really likable people uh, talking with each other. And yeah, I don't know. For me, that's a, a genre of film, if you want to call it a genre, that like, I, I'm here for it every time. I just love, I love watching smart, appealing, photogenic people talk to each other. It's so simple, so great. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to drive home my, uh, my, my points about uh, Johnny being like so avoidant and like detached uh -huh. and so forth. I mean, there's the, the whole monologue he gives towards the beginning, right? Right. I've written it down here, so I'll try to say it. I, I jotted it really fast, but I think I get it. Um, but he says, I ask for trust, cooperation, and permission without knowing the subject. I will leave a situation, a problem, but the people I interview cannot. The work offers the interview the option to stay in a world that's not my own. Complete distraction from my own life, a sense of invincibility, and a sense of invisibility. So again, this is like driving home the fact that he, he is detached from even the things that he's covering and so forth. Um, and then... I would drive that home as well with the, uh, the um, whenever Jesse asks him questions, mm -hmm. he gives like super avoidant answers. You know, it's just a thing, and then she th didn't think about the thing, and uh, but uh, this thing, and uh, but uh, <laughs> and and Jesse just always like goes like blah 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 blah, 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 blah. and so like the title of the movie, come on, come on, like um, Johnny says it to Jesse a bunch of times, but he's always just like, oh come on, man, like like that and then when um, Jesse's saying it in the speech that he mails to him at the end of the movie when they're mailing audio tapes back and forth mm -hmm. um, or I guess they're just emailing them because we live in the 21st century um, <laughs> um, that uh, you know he goes like you always say blah 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 and I'm like come on come on come on come on like let's go so mm -hmm. like when Johnny says it it's like oh come on man and when Jesse says it it's like Come on, come on, let's go. You know. Uh, yeah. So that's sort of the. So what we were gonna we to talked it. earlier off mic about you know trying Ask to dig into what the title meant. Uh, and so what what are you feeling about that? Well, that's what I think it means. Okay. <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> I actually didn't need to preface that we talked about it off mic because they said it when we were talking off mic. Okay, that, that, that's good. <laughs> And I and to me it it also I think it fits into what I think the movie is doing, which is it's like don't don't just let things be status quo if things are bad. Don't suffer in silence. Um, and you know, the come on, come on is like let's just go, let's move forward, move forward. Uh, which in the case of this movie, I think is you do that by opening yourself up to another person. Yeah, I mean to say it in terms of. Of uh, I don't know Gen Z like let's go let's fucking go, go. <laughs> <laughs> I would so tweet that about this movie 
<laughs> That's just me in a nutshell, though. I, I'll get amped about a tiny, <laughs> intimate dramedy, baby. <laughs> yes, fucking <laughs> Gotta go to work. One more thing I love about this. This is just a small thing, but I, I opened my review of the film because it uh, made my number fourteen of twenty twenty one by talking about this good uncle cinema. Like, oh yeah, I'm an uncle. I like seeing myself up there. <laughs> I'm not being glib. I promise. I'm very. Uh, representation is very important to me but for real like good uncle stories there aren't that many this is like a great film about being an uncle it's a small thing but it's uh it's a good thing all right now i want you to quiet down and be very calm for a moment relax your hands relax your mouth (laughs) brady how do you think things will be in the future um i think See, I'm going to treat this seriously because this is what the movie's about. I'm not going to... Because Johnny regrets it when he turns his answer into a joke. I think in the future that I'm not honestly very hopeful, but I think you have to, to go back to an ending quote from another black and white New York movie. Uh, Manhattan, Woody Allen's Manhattan. And there's that scene where he's worried that his underage girlfriend, uh, which does not age well in the light of who Woody Allen is, but he's worried she's going to go up to Europe. She didn't age well. She needs Botox. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to go off to Europe, and he knows... That's not serious. (laughs) I don't actually think that. Yeah. He knows in his bones when she's going to go off, he's like, shit, you're going to see the world now. And once you see how the rest of the world is and you meet other people, you're going to realize I'm a piece of shit and like you're, we're not going to get back together. And she just looks at him. She's like, well, you got to have a little faith in people. <laughs> and I think that's my only hope is like whether it's right or wrong, I think, in ter- and in terms of like how the future is going to look. Um, you might as well just check out if you're not going to have a little faith in people. So, so that's what I have is, is faith in people. I think the problems the people are facing are daunting, but, um, but I, you know, I'm not one to give in to despair arbitrarily. So I, I will, you know, (laughs) I don't have much of a religious faith, but that is the faith that I will stand by is that, uh, people will maybe find a way to surprise you. Yeah, and I didn't preface it with anything, but... Sorry, that was a long-winded answer, but Well, the reason I asked you that question is because it's one of the questions that he asks his interviewers. Yeah, And that's why I handed you the list of questions so you could ask me one. Oh, I can ask you one. This is great. (laughs) Okay, let me pick the one I want to hear you answer. Do you feel like adults understand what kids are going through? No. <laughs> what a beautiful juxtaposition of answers. <laughs> My, like... <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, word I'll go into it more. I just kind of felt like I had to just say a one-word answer. No, um, no, I don't think uh, adults know what kids are going through. I think kids are, you know, forming their entire reality and, and imagining a bunch of things to deal with them. And uh, adults are very much in the 
here and now and the you know the carrots and sticks of society and the constraints mm-hmm. and this and that and you know essentially what most parents try to do um, either by trying to or specifically trying not to um, so I guess what most parents do or most adults do uh, either by trying to or specifically trying not to is indoctrinate kids mm-hmm. uh, into like a set of beliefs um, now you know some people might be like you know this is yeah this is the way it is like uh, you know like a man gets married to a woman and but about about and you get two cars in the garage and do buy a house and bit about or they or they might be doing the other thing which is like oh well you know some people are gay some people are straight but today you got to decide what you're gonna do and this mm-hmm. thing and that um, and some people might say I don't know uh, you should do whatever you want to do and so forth but like no matter what you do, if you, spe- if you specifically try to give them a line of goods, or if you specifically try to not give them a line of goods, either way, it's kind of like unavoidably indoctrination into like a belief system of <laughs> one thing or the other. So, Yeah, um, that's good. And I think this, the movie is like really trying to tap into like, well, if there's a right thing to do, it's, it probably starts with listening more than you talk and letting them, you know, He'll hear what hear what they're going through. Like maybe you can find out a bit more. Um, I think that's yeah. And I think both Liv and Johnny attempt to do that, but then there's also very real situations, like when they're in a store and all of a sudden um, Jesse's gone. Yeah. Like, um, and then that's where adults have to employ constraints. Or if he like runs and gets on a bus or something, it's like, oh shit, the bus is going to like. There's a very real thing where the bus is going to drive away, and then the kid will just be there. But yeah, no, absolutely. And while they're talking through like the the emotional issues, I also I really like the scenes of just Liv and Johnny talking through what what parenting is, and like kind of and to you know how serious it is, but also like yeah, you know have some fun with it because yeah, it's gonna kick your ass, and that's just part of it, and you're gonna fuck up a lot. Um, but yeah, no, I I really like the scenes between them when they're talking about Jesse. Well, now you, are, are you going to ask another question or how many of these are we doing? And what's... Yeah, I, just, I just wrote them down and I handed it. I think we did it. Okay. We yeah, did it. Th- we got the idea out there, which is, um, I mean, if there's a lesson to the film, like, it's just, go have a chat with someone. Go, go learn about each other. The world is, can be really good when people see humanity in each other and talk to each other. I uh, agree. So yeah, kumbaya, bitch. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, do we, do we want to suggest movies for next week? Yes, one of them is shoot 'em up. <laughs> one of them is shoot 'em up. Okay. Um, and I, going off of my um, Eric Romer talk a minute ago, I'm going to suggest a movie from Romer. Uh, I'm going to go with Claire's Knee from. Uh, the 70s I think uh, or maybe the late 60s okay another another one is Broken Arrow Broken Arrow <laughs> I, I remember that I, I don't think I've ever actually seen that movie I have it's John Woo right it's a John Woo Christian Slater Woo. okay alright I'm gonna do this and um, I'm gonna suggest my favorite movie of the year it's really long but it's so fun 
I'm gonna go with RRR. Arr. <laughs> it stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. It's um, it's a an Indian film, and it's phenomenal. I just made Tess watch it. All right, the big hit. The big hit, John. Another woo. one. Another one. <laughs> John. Woo. Misdirected. Woo. <laughs> okay, then I'll go. I'll throw Link later in there. And because I've been, I've wanted to revisit it. Uh, I'll do Everybody Wants Some. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. I did see that. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta think of another shoot 'em up movie. We're I'm doing four each. I'm gonna keep saying shoot 'em up movies till you pick a shoot 'em up movie as well. Oh, I didn't know the rules of the game, <laughs> but I will now respond that even though RRR does have shooting. It does have a, mar- a sniper, a marksman. How about The Patriot? <laughs> the Patriot. It's a hatchet em up movie. <laughs> a movie that it is weirdly not directed by Mel Gibson, though it is um, <laughs> orgiastically violent as they come. Uh, then I am going to go... I have to pick a shoot em up, right? I mean, you don't have to. We can just keep doing this... I'm going to pick a cool movie I just saw for my chronological project. I'm in uh, 1993, uh, a movie by a guy named Takeshi Kitano, ah. uh, or he goes by the name Beats Kitano, yes. and it's called Sonatine, and it's, uh, it's about gangsters, so it definitely has shoot them up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm down with Takeshi. You're down with Kitano? Yes. Or wait, I'm thinking, did he do the Dead or Alive trilogy? I don't think so. He made Violent Cop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know Violent Cop? Uh, I think it was one of JP's favorites. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'll put up uh, one of yours, Takeshi Kitano. Uh. Okay, okay. And what are, what are yours again? Uh, what, we do a Broken Arrow, Shoot 'em Up, uh, Big Hit, and uh, The Patriot. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna level with you. I do not much fancy watching The Patriot. Me neither. But I just had to give you something. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm, I'm going. I mean, you could. You don't remember. You don't have to reciprocate. You can just be like, I'm putting an RRR. <laughs> Screw your choices. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll, I should finally see Shoot 'Em Up. Maybe if we choose it. Oh yeah. Shoot 'Em Up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, you want a one, two, three shoot for it? Yeah. All right. Evens or odds? Evens. Okay. One, <laughs> two, two, three, three shoot. shoot. Odds. odds. So we're doing... We're doing Sonatine. No, we're doing... Well, you said evens. Oh, wait. It was odds. You won. Yeah, and I you won. put up... And I put... So we're doing shoot em up. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got one for once. And I won for once. <laughs> but at what cost? Well, just the cost of your sanity, and uh, well, well, if I'm selling my sanity, I got news for you. I'm selling you a lemon. <laughs> well put. I think that's a good way to to go out on it. Moonchild, Starchild, something. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Theme song. <laughs> Carnivorous couch 
it happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With Brady and Rob I'm going to do what I do at every award show, Brady. I just get very drunk and deny, deny, deny. <laughs>